Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we look at how the coronavirus pandemic is affecting clubs across Africa, with the situation stretching the finances of many teams. Stuart takes a look at the implications of the postponement of the Tokyo Olympics. And while we're all affected by the coronavirus situation in some way, we're going to make sure that the show gives you plenty of entertainment every week to lift your spirits. And this week, we're going back to the 2010 FIFA World Cup in South Africa, where the world was hit by the noisy Vuvuzela. You must just blow it in the air. When, especially when you score, when, when you see the guys going to score, I mean, you must blow it. Uh, yes, love it or hate it, lots on the Vuvuzela coming up later. But let's start with coronavirus, as almost all of the leagues around Africa have been suspended. And here in Zimbabwe, most clubs have stopped training. We're a week or so into a 60-day ban on public gatherings, initially of 100 people or more, but to now for 50 or above. It's having a huge impact on clubs, as there'll be a big delay to the start of the season. And many rely on gate-takings for income, and they're having to pay players, even though there are no matches. Now, Dynamos have the biggest support base in Zimbabwe. They were runners-up in the 1998 Champions League. They've got a five-year sponsorship deal with a tobacco company, putting them in a relatively good position. But their chairman, Isaiah Mufurutsa, says that they're looking at a tough year. As it is right now, we will still be able to survive and actually meet all our expenses for the month. It's true that we are going to have also some effects. We are going to feel the effects of it when it comes to issues of budget. Mind you, we, it's a five-year deal, but we do budgets on a year-by-year basis. And for this year, we have already started using our budget, and our budget is given over 12 months, January to December. So if the season was supposed to start in March, and then it doesn't start in March, and it probably starts in June, July, obviously, if you look at the number of our fixtures, they will not be able to be played and finished within the remaining months of the year. So what it means, there might be an overlap, and if there is an overlap, it means that we have to pray that our sponsors will be able again to be flexible and will also be able to generate other lines to then support the, the, the overlapping uh, period. But we just pray that this thing, this pandemic ends very soon and then we'll be able to start our season on time. But uh, the problem will mostly come when then, let's say, the season starts very late let's say in July. The fixtures won't be able to fit in the remaining months because we also have other tournaments. Look, the China has been deferred, the Afghan games have been deferred, the World Cup games probably are going to be affected. All those uh, fixtures will be coming into place. So you find that our PSL games might not be able to fit in the remaining months, which might mean that we will need to overlap. So if we overlap into January 2021, it means now we will be eating into the budget for, for 2021 season. Well, that's Isaiah Mufurutsa. He's the chairman of Zimbabwe's biggest club, Dynamos. So when the coronavirus pandemic ends, there'll be serious fixture congestion, particularly with those international matches to squeeze into the calendar. That's a look at the situation here. Uh, what about in Kenya, Ida? It's a grim situation 
pretty much everywhere you look, Steve. I mean, here in Kenya, the government banned the use of the country's main stadium. Um, that was for a period of 30 days. That might extend. You never know. And of course, yeah, the local football leagues were also suspended. Um, now, initially, April 4th had been set as the tentative date for resumption of the leagues. But in all honesty, um, that might not be the case, considering that some of these situations are actually going from bad to worse, you know. Um, you know, in terms of the fans, well, that's not really been affected, to just be totally honest, because um, it's not like the fans were going to the stadiums, you know, prior to the whole coronavirus pandemic effect. Uh, but the fixture lineup, Steve, in the Kenyan Premier League is always something that's elicited a lot of mixed reactions and a lot of criticism. And I think it's only safe to say that that's only going to get worse, you know, once, um, you know, sport and football resumes, because I can imagine it will be a situation of trying to get things done, a lot of fixture congestion to try get things done as quickly as humanly possible, considering the, you know, really unprecedented circumstances that the world is experiencing. Kenyan international footballers, you know, have also taken a hit, the likes of um, Eric Johanna, who's based in Sweden. We've had him here on the show. Uh, before and you know football training everything has come to a standstill and uh, it's just really now a matter of personal motivation trying to keep fit from the house Uh, yeah indeed I mean normal life has really been affected Um, you know Kenya is now on a curfew meaning that uh, people aren't supposed to leave the house anytime between 7 p.m until 5 a.m. Uh, but this rule, of course, excludes, you know, essential and critical services, likes of health care and so on. But yeah, it's definitely tough times for everyone. It will necessitate a lot of flexibility, Steve, in the coming days. Yes. And talking of Eric Johanna in Sweden, we'll hear from a Gambian in Sweden shortly on how he's staying fit in self-isolation. So these are very serious times with the coronavirus and strange times for football fans with absolutely no football to watch for most. So last week we asked, how are you coping with the lack of football? And have you found any other sporting activity to replace it? Here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard. Thanks, Steve. And well, yes, these are strange times indeed. And it seems that many of us are struggling to cope without football. Unsurprisingly, perhaps, we've had another big response this week, so I'll try and include comments from as many countries as possible so we can understand the bigger picture across the continent. Well, we start in the Gambia, and Campo sums up the feelings of many. Life without football is boring, says Campo. It's just like the end of the world. Football is a passion. It's like a religion, because 75% of the world loves it. For myself, I sleep with the game, and move with the game, and walk with the game. Olatunde Adeleke is also in the Gambia. It's so strange to miss football, says Olatunde. No other sporting activities can take the place of football, but with the dangerous killer that is coronavirus, What we are doing now is to call on God through Jesus Christ to help us fight this virus because God is the only one that can do what no human can do. And uh, indeed many correspondents from other faith groups this week have also told us that they're praying for a swift end to this global pandemic. Also on the west coast, James Olatunge Rob is in Sierra Leone. With which sport can you replace football, says James. Really, it's not easy going through the week without football. 
And worst of all, some players are now being affected. It's not easy, but I thank God that in my country we do not have the disease, and we're praying that no one will become a victim. Life is everything. It is better we lost the feeling of football than lost plenty of lives, says James. Further down the west coast, Daniel is in Ghana. Honestly, I've never experienced a world of isolation before, says Daniel, but the world has all of a sudden been turned into a haunted street. A lack of football might not be the main reason to be worried now, but having access to the street to watch football is more dangerous now than we can ever think of. We miss football, we miss the game, but more importantly, we pray that no more cases of the disease will be recorded in the coming weeks. And staying on the west coast, Kahinde is in Nigeria. I'm not feeling happy at all, says Kahinde. Everywhere is just dull. The coronavirus is a bad disease. Well, it certainly is Kahinde. And now, Abina is also in Nigeria. The lack of football has been quite depressing, says Abina. What is a weekend without football? I've not found any sporting activity to replace it because every other sporting event has been suspended as well. But on the bright side, it has helped me to bond with my friends and family much better. Usman Mohammed lives across the border from Nigeria in Cameroon. I'm just confused right now, says Usman. It's boring. I don't even want to look at the screen of my television. The country is experiencing lockdown, but the number of cases keeps on increasing day by day. Next, we travel east across the continent to Sami Agada, who is in Kenya. I have not been a close follower of football, either local or international, says Sami, but I can feel how my football-loving friends are saddened by the fact that there are no more football airings now. Further south, Noble Botamani is in Malawi, and he's also struggling without football. No other sporting activity can replace football for me. I'm not doing well without football, says Noble. And James Wallace Jr., also in Malawi, is also finding it tough. I've not yet found the alternative to football, says James. You know sport boosts the mood when it goes down, and football being off is a big blow to us, the fans. I hope that COVID-19 will come to its rest very soon to give us an opportunity to keep enjoying the sport. Baiten Mchiko is also in Malawi. Life without football is very strange, says Baiten, but on the other hand, for married women, they're just enjoying it because most of the time men give more attention to football than to them. Personally, I found a substitute to football. I like watching and playing chess online. And over the border from Malawi in Zambia, Kunda Francis Piri has also managed to find an alternative to football. The PlayStation is working overtime, says Kunda. And continuing our journey around the continent, Lamine Cham in Congo Brazzaville is also playing computer games. These are the most tedious times I've ever witnessed, as football is in the heart, says Lamine. The whole day I play FIFA 2019, and at the moment I am playing it. Juventus versus Manchester United. I'm United, and we're leading Juventus by one goal. Well, that's great, Lamine. I hope you managed to win that game there. And finally, here's Malik E. Bojang in The Gambia. To be honest, says Malik, I'm a huge football fan, but I never thought without football life would be so boring. 
Now I'm usually at home watching all seasons of my favourite TV shows. So there you are, Steve. We're all missing football terribly, and there doesn't seem to be much to replace it. But in the light of this global pandemic of coronavirus, it's forcing us to think about what are the really important things in life, apart from sport. Oh yes, uh, I'm feeling the pain that everyone else is feeling, uh, but indeed, as was said many times there, life is more important and we do need to keep on praying. Thanks, Adrian. I'm staying at home most of the time. That's the safest place to be. And indeed, on the bright side, it's a chance for more family time, at least. But I might have to try the chess or maybe the PlayStation. Thanks for all of those comments. Apologies if we didn't have time to include yours. Now, the African players based in Europe continue to be affected by the pandemic, with most of them in isolation and unable to train. Modu Lamine Marong is a Gambian player who we've spoken to before on the show as he decided to take a tough road to reaching his dream of playing for a top European club. Modu went to Sweden for trials and was signed by fourth-tier club John Sareds, which he hopes will lead to bigger things in his career. Well, Modu spoke to Adrian first about the coronavirus, which has a relatively low number of cases in Sweden. Yeah, Adrian, I am very much fine here. The coronavirus or the corona pandemic has been a very bad it's not something that is very, very fine, but we keep praying to God so that he can fade this virus away. Mm. But I am very safe here in Sweden. I have not been affected by the virus and so on. That's good. So, Modu, for people listening who don't know about you, tell us a little bit about why you are in Sweden, uh, when you went to Sweden and the team you're playing for. Uh, I came to Sweden 2018 and then I played for Jönsarit. But uh, some time ago, my representatives has flight to start running in France, Ligue 1. They were on negotiation, but still there is no confirmation yet. We're still waiting. I'm still waiting for response from them. And my, my representative also is waiting for a response from start running in France. And we were also negotiating with... Um, a national league uh, in Australia called Macon Italian Football Club. So we are in between these two, so still waiting, but everything is going fine. Well, it's good to hear that your future is developing. Now, I imagine that your agent and the other football clubs are interested because you're scoring a few goals. So how has it been going for you in Yonsoret? Uh, you've been um, scoring a few goals there, have you? Yeah, I've been scoring a few goals like before. So right now, when this when this virus came, we didn't start the season yet. So and then in the same time, my representatives are on a very serious negotiation so that I can leave Yonsaret and go to another bigger club. I'm training indoors, going to the gym alone, training, you know, and I'm also doing some practice in my ho- in my house so that I can be fully ready when they when they knock the door. I was going to ask you about that because it must be very difficult with football suspended. You're not able to train with the rest of the team. So tell us a little bit more about the training that you are able to do. You said you're down at the gym on your own and at home. So you're able to do some training there? Yeah, I am able to do some training. Sometimes I will take a very a very big uh, a long kilometer runnings and then come home. I have my little bit. I have small gyms in my house, which I use frequently. And sometimes I go to the gym. The, the gym is just five meters away from my house. So I am training very, very good. I'm training very good. And I hope everything going to be okay with this virus and everything. 
in most of the world now we have uh, this thing called social distancing where people are being told to keep two meters away from each other how is that working out for you in sweden yeah it's definitely very good but you know this virus is not very very high here in sweden people are still doing their activities but hopefully um this week before the ending of this week many places will be closed will be will be locked down as they all normally say so i am i am i am definitely keeping myself away from people as well because i am living alone so it's not very hard to you know avoid people i've been avoiding people because i've been living alone so it's it's very it's quite easy for me you know so with no training for the team at the moment and your season hasn't started and of course football being suspended for now in Sweden, how are you spending the rest of your time? A lot of footballers we see online playing computer games and things like that. Well, how are you spending your time then, Modu? How do I spend my time is uh, I speak to my family back at home in the Gambia. I felt bad at home, you know. Mm. So when I think about my people... but. I just be at home and speak to my family. That's what I do during my free free time or leisure times. That's Modu Lamine Marong. He's a Gambian player with fourth tier side John Sareds in Sweden, speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard. Let's hope that move to Stade Ren in the French top flight will come about because that would be huge and wishing Modu all the best. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. On Twitter, we are at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Now, while we're all affected by the coronavirus in some way and life has changed for most of us, we're going to make sure that Planet Sport Football Africa gives you plenty of entertainment every week to lift your spirits. We'll be going into our archive to give you some of our most memorable moments as a team. Now, 10 years ago, the FIFA World Cup came to Africa for the first time, and I was in South Africa together with a team that included Adrian and Solomon Ashams doing daily programmes. Now, the World Cup in South Africa was when the planet was hit by the Vuvuzela, the noisy instrument that South African fans made popular and that spread to many African countries. Now, many European teams and visitors were horrified at the noise. Some broadcasters complained about the constant droning noise during matches, while many fans who were at the stadium experiencing the Vuvuzela for the first time were shocked at the sound levels, which experts proved were dangerously high. Here's a feature that I made at the 2010 World Cup with Passion for Sport. Well, who would have thought that a plastic trumpet would be the most talked about feature of this World Cup? Well, the Vuvuzela is the hallmark of South African supporters. It's noisy, it's fun, and it's a way of expressing your excitement. And it's quickly caught on among supporters of all the teams here. Well, South African it is, but this Brazil supporter hopes that the Vuvuzelas will be there when Brazil hosts the next World Cup in 2014. Here everybody, everybody has one, everybody blows it so well and so loud. So I think it's going to keep going when Brazil holds the World Cup four years from now. But there are serious health risks and it's not just the experts who are saying so, many fans think so too. Donny Pretorius sells Vuvuzela earplugs outside the Royal Befekeng Stadium in Rustenburg. Ten rands a pair and he's doing a roaring trade. Yes, yeah, it keeps out the noise of the Vuvuzelas. 
Um, it protects your eardrums so that you don't lose your hearing. So yeah, and we're making a killing because the guys the guys need the, protect, the protection. <laughs> Who has been buying this airplug from you a lot? Is it the South Africans or South Africans, um, foreigners, everybody, black people, white people, everybody. Some people that use Bubuzela, do they buy it also for themselves? Yeah, no, they do buy it for themselves. Now, uh, it's totally different uh, from the TV to how it is in the flesh. I've been to the stadium and uh, the Vuvuzela is horrendously loud. You know, on TV it gives you a nice atmosphere in the background, but uh, these things are loud, especially in great numbers. To find out how loud, I'm joined by Paul Van Egdom. He's a highly experienced radio producer with Transworld Radio here in Johannesburg. Paul, how loud is a Vuvuzela? It depends on whether it's being blown right in your ear or the general general sound in a stadium. There have been various studies done in various stadia where people are blowing these, and the average sound is about 140 dB. And what does that mean exactly, 140 decibels? Now, if somebody blows a vuvuzela in your ear, it's probably similar to firing a gun right by your ear because it's a real blast. Yeah, I've got some statistics here saying that it's louder than a chainsaw. It's like a referee blowing his whistle directly in your ear. Uh, others have said it's like a, a jumbo jet aeroplane taking off. And someone else said it's like a 50-horsepower siren going off in your ear. Of course, uh, fans are not terribly interested in this in general, apart from those who are, are buying the earplugs. I spoke to a couple of supporters at a fan park. Uh, who were there with their vuvuzelas? Um, actually, when you are not in the game... Yeah, you can say that. When you're not supporting Bafana, yes, you can say that. But when you're watching the game, you won't even feel it because eh? you'll be concentrating on the game. Isn't it bad for people's health? <laughs> what I can only say is you, you don't have really to blow it on someone's ears, you know. Ah, uh, right, so you're supposed to blow up in the air. So if yeah. I'm sitting in front of you, you mustn't blow it no, in my ear. you mustn't blow it, yeah, really. You must <laughs> just blow it in the air. When, especially when you score, when, when you see the guys going to score, I mean, you must blow it. Uh, yeah, right, so by blowing your vuvuzela you don't think that you're being inconsiderate to, to <laughs> other people? Right? Um, actually, you know, people have got different, um, different minds, you know. But actually, from my point of view, I don't see any problem with it, yeah. Well, great memories, uh, noisy things those are. That's a feature from the 2010 FIFA World Cup in South Africa. Um, are you a fan of the Vuvuzela, Ida? I like the noise, but uh, except when someone's sitting close to me at the stadium with one of them blowing in my ear. I might not have had the, the privilege of being in South Africa at the time, but you could definitely feel the, um, the buzz, the electricity across the continent, you know. Uh, but yeah, about the Vuvuzelas... <laughs> Uh, I'll second what you've said there. I mean, yes, definitely adds to the ambience, to the atmosphere. But same here. It's not something that I want to be too close to, you know, at least physically. <laughs> but yeah, it also actually in the 2010 World Cup also raised quite a few issues um, with the players, the likes of Alonso saying that it was very distracting, um, you know, but Funnily and surprisingly enough, um, a FIFA president at the time, uh, Sepp Blatter, really came out to defend it. You know, I remember uh, a quote he said that was quite powerful, said that we shouldn't try to Europeanize an African World Cup. So that was pleasantly surprising. 
Oh yes, so 2010, the year that the Vuvuzela really rocked the world. Thanks, Ida. On social media, asking for your views on the Vuvuzela this week. Do you love them or do you hate them? Are they popular in your country? And what are your thoughts about the Vuvuzela? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Vuvuzelas, do you love them or hate them? Well, now let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. And let's start with the Tokyo Olympics, which were due to start on the 24th of July, but have been postponed until next year because of the coronavirus pandemic. So Africa's representatives in the football tournaments will have to wait. That's Zambia, who qualified for the women's tournament for the first time, and the men's teams, Egypt, South Africa and Ivory Coast. So, Stuart, this decision took a long time to be made because of the huge financial and logistical implications. Japan saying it will cost them about $2.7 billion to postpone the Games. It has been obvious to everyone for some time that there was no way that the Games could take place this year. But somehow the International Olympic Committee and the Tokyo people seemed reluctant to accept that reality. Because even if Corona were to be under control in Japan in July, it would have been madness to bring 15,000 people from 200 countries to live in close proximity for two weeks. I suppose money and the problems of rearranging the Games seem to have been the reason for the delay. And there have been a lot of problems to resolve. We know that all the apartments in the Olympic Village, where athletes will live, have been sold from September 2020. So they've now either got to find a way to delay the sales by a year or to build a new village. The games are funded by television money, sponsorship and ticket sales. And with, for example, the European Football Championships scheduled for 2020 moving to 2021, the Olympics will have to avoid clashing with them to keep their television sponsors happy. And the commercial sponsorship deals expire in 2020, so they will have to be extended. And then what about ticket sales? Will the people who bought the tickets in 2020 still want to come in 2021? And all the hotels in Tokyo, which were fully booked for the Olympics, will now find that all the bookings are being cancelled. And the other issue is what to do about all the events scheduled for 2021, like the Swimming World Championship, the Track and Field World Championship. Do they need to be rescheduled as well? There are no easy answers at the moment, and this will only be unravelled over the next few weeks. Yes, it's all very complicated. And while we wonder when the football will return in Europe, with Spain having officially postponed all football indefinitely, and with the English Premier League having said that the season will be completed at some point, there was a time back in 1963, Stuart, when the weather caused a long stoppage to football in England. Yes, Steve, in the winter of 1962-63 in England, we had what was known as the Big Freeze. And with snow on the ground, Clubs didn't play at all in January and February, and that left one club with 22 games to play in the last two and a half months of the season. Tottenham Hotspur, for example, finished second in the league that season, as well as winning the European Cup Winners' Cup, 
which was a big tournament in those days, second in importance only to the Champions League or the European Cup, as we called it then. But in order to do that, Tottenham played 16 games in 57 days, including a four-day period at Easter where they played three times, three times in four days. And in those days, clubs simply got on with it without complaints about player fatigue. And Tottenham, in 62-63, had a squad of 22 professional players compared to the current Tottenham team with 34 players. So it was a lot more difficult in those days. Steve, I used to call myself the VAR correspondent, but now I seem to have become the coronavirus correspondent. Some good news to report is how football is stepping up to help in the crisis. Gary Neville, the former Manchester United and England defender, owns two hotels, which he has closed to normal guests, but made available free of charge to hospital staff. And similarly, Roman Abramovich, the Chelsea owner, has said that any health workers in the London area needing to stay overnight can do so in the Chelsea Millennium Hotel and he will pay the bill. A great gesture. And the Ivorian player, Wilfred Zaha, who owns something like 50 apartments in London, is offering those free of charge to health workers. Finally, Steve, I have a trivia question for you. Which Premier League club twice conceded five goals in cup ties in the current season? The surprising answer is Liverpool. Both times in the League Cup, remember they drew 5-5 with Arsenal before winning a penalty shootout and then lost 5-0 to Aston Villa when the game clashed with the World Club Championship, meaning that they fielded their under-21 team. But who would have thought that Liverpool would twice concede five goals? <laughs> Amazing. Well, you got me there. Thanks, Stuart. Uh, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Wairinga in Nairobi, from Stuart Weir and Adrian Barnard in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.